Hello, and welcome to the show Unbossed. I am your host, Nina Turner, and in the co-host chair today because it is Friday. None other than Mayor Mondale Robinson, who is an HQ, Rebel HQ contributor. And Mayor, we were just rocking. Some days that, that intro gets to us. We was rocking to it. Yeah, it does. I, I love just hearing it. It's almost like a it sounds like rap music to me. I love it. I love it too, Mayor. Oh my God, I think we got the best intro music in the land, but that's just me. So glad to have the Mayor here today. We are going to start off with our Petty Brick Road segment, Zuckerberg versus Elon. Twitter versus meta rival Mark Zuckerberg has reportedly agreed to fight Elon Musk in a cage match. How did this start? I know you just really want to know. I'm up for a cage match if he is, lol. This tweet is coming from Elon Musk. And the he he's referring to is Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg posted Elon's tweet and added, send me a location. As if he really ready for this, send me location. And so of course, you know, Twitter is all a buzz, social media is all a buzz about the possibility that this might in fact happen. Now Musk goes on, I have this great movie that I call The Wars, where I just lie on top of my opponent and do nothing. I'm not quite sure where that came from in all of this. And now a statement from a meta spokesperson, when asked about the fight, a meta spokesperson told CBS News, the story speaks for itself. Note, now Mark Zuckerberg is trained in jiu-jitsu. We just want to warn Elon Musk that that Zuckerberg may have some skills that he's not quite ready for. Predicted winner is Zuckerberg according to multiple polls and sports bets <laughs> predictions. So you know what, Mayor, I don't know, who are you predicting? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I unfortunately, I, and I hate to say this because some people are gonna <clears throat> judge me about it, but. I, I like UFC fighting, cage fighting. Okay. <clears throat> I used to do amateur cage fighting in North Carolina. Um, that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think Zuckerberg probably would win. But here, here's the, here's the nasty part about it. This this may start out as a joke, and people will start seeing how they can make money. And I already heard Dana White, who is the owner of the UFC, saying uh, this could be the biggest fight ever in history. Neither of these guys are trained martial arts in, in in like sports, and the fact that they can bring in the most money shows you the problem with corrupt capitalism. Um, just because of these two nerds talking to each other on Twitter about cage fighting, it could become the biggest fight ever. Hundred dollars for pay per view per person to watch it. I'm out on it. Yeah, and and uh, it it just. <laughs> I don't know how exciting it would be actually. I mean, I think it would be almost like watching paint dry. <laughs> I think I think they're like watching paint dry. I mean, they, if right. you ask the people who said they created the technology that both of them are making money off of, they would say they both can steal quick. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we will see. I don't think it's gonna happen, quite frankly. I just really don't see it happening. But you know, it makes for a whole bunch of petty. It gives us something light to kind of chuckle about on this Friday, as the rest of the show is extraordinarily heavy. But for our viewers, the viewers who are watching us live, watching Mayor and myself, watching us right now, let us know if you have a pick. And if it's not those two, who would you pick to engage in such a fight? It 
it might be interesting. We shall see. I'm saying it's not gonna happen. And if it does, I shouldn't say it's not gonna happen and say if it does, but I am saying that it would be boring as hell. There's no spice. Man, there's no spice on either side of that. I just don't see it. I don't feel it and I don't see it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all hype there. Like you said, there's no spice. It's raisin in potato salad. But <laughs> wait a minute, man, wait a minute. You can't leave. You got to explain. Some people so, might not, not they might not get that reference. Please explain to us why it is not good to put raisin in potatoes. So, yeah, so this is this is a uh, this is like this is a caring meal. Like if you put raisin in your potato salads and, and of we this is a joke in black traditions about how not to change traditionally historically what people call southern foods, but really we know southern food is historically African American tradition cuisine. We don't yes. call it that. We did not put raisins in there historically. We do not put raisins in potato salad. Um, but we've seen some of our white friends starting to add raisins to their potato salad, and it's a no-no. So it we, is a no-no. You know, man, having you talk about that remind me of the Dr. Seuss books, Green Eggs and Ham. I do not like them. Sam, I am. I do not like them on the boat. <laughs> I do not like them on the plane. I do not like them on the train. I do not like raisins in potato salad. <laughs> Oh man, oh man. Well, hopefully, I can't wait to see what our our live viewers have to say about this segment. Petty Brick Road, that was it. So now Amazon, moving on to more. Well, this is not petty. This is real, and this is Amazon. Lord have mercy on us. So Amazon sued for trickery. The FTC is coming for Amazon. Take a look. The Federal Trade Commission is suing Amazon. It alleges that the e-commerce giant has tricked millions of consumers into signing up for its Amazon Prime subscription service by using deceptive interface designs. The complaint filed in the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Washington also accuses Amazon of making it difficult for users to cancel their memberships. I'm glad the FTC is coming for Amazon deceptive practices. And this almost reminds me of how Trump fundraises, but we'll put that in the parking lot and come back to that at another time. Amazon tricked and trapped people into reoccurring subscriptions without their consent, not only frustrating users, but also costing them significant money. These manipulative tactics harm consumers and law abiding businesses alike. And that is coming from Madam Chair of the FTC. TC, she's making it known. And how is Amazon doing this? How are they able to get away with this? Inquiring minds want to know, and we are so glad that you asked. The FTC lawsuit alleges Amazon tricks customers into signing up for Prime by presenting asymmetric choices that make it easier to enroll in Prime than not. During the checkout process, when non-Prime customers go to buy something, Amazon interrupts the customer's online shopping experience by presenting them with a prominent button to enroll in Prime and a comparatively inconspicuous link to decline, the suit says. Now, this is exactly what government should be doing. They should be refereeing, they should be calling the files, they should be going in on businesses that are not doing right by the consumers. It also says that Amazon does not adequately disclose the price of monthly auto renewal features like 
the features of Prime and that design elements of the enrollment process make it hard for consumers to see that they will be automatically charged for Prime after signing up for a free trial. So Mayor, you know, this, you know, once upon a day time in the olden days, Bally's comes to mind, you know, the fitness where you know people want to stay healthy and everything and they go in and sign up and you don't realize you're signing it your name in blood and you're signing up for life and they made it so hard for people to be able to get out of those contracts impacting millions of people's credit ratings once they realize that maybe Bally's was not for them. I know I'm going old school on this, but that is what this reminds me of. No, you're spot on, and I think I think you're absolutely right. This is the role of the government. This is why we need a government and what they should be doing. Let's let's be clear here. Some people might say, "Oh, it falls on the customer; they should pay attention." No, it's companies should not be preying on the fact that people are short on time, especially when Amazon kind of created this niche market, telling us, "Hey, we can save you time by not going to big box stores, not waiting in line, and then you're making it harder for me to check out, which increasing my online wait time." And I think that is that 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 to me is a wonderful. This is a wonderful thing that we shouldn't look over, because I'm and I also feel kind of extremely important. I mean, this is important to me because I got suckered into Prime. I didn't even know I was paying reoccurring fees to Prime until I looked at my thumb. Like, wait a minute, why am I why am I Prime member not realizing that when you click on that link, you're not just giving it this free trial information. Is ridiculous. If something is a free trial, I shouldn't have to put my credit card. You shouldn't be able to link to my Apple Pay. If it's a free trial, let me try it for free and then end it or let me know at the end of that trial period. You're about to lose the access to these features. Yeah, that's it, man. And and Amazon is not the only one on that free trial thing. All of these companies do it, and it should not be allowed. And that's why we need consumer protection agencies. That's why we need a Congress to stand up. And even these state governments can individually do something if the Congress is too weak or unable to deal with their owner donors. You know, state governments have the ability to stop this kind of thing. But your point is well taken. If it's free, it should be free. The 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 fact that they want you to attach your credit card, they know you're gonna get busy with life and forget that you signed up for a so-called free trial. And then before you know it, you paying the monthly fee. It is deceptive practices, it is immoral, it is wrong as hell. And you go ahead on FTC, we wanna see more of it. Now this is after Amazon, Amazon and Amazon know that Amazon is a necessity at this point. Mayor, put the mayor back up, I mean, it really is. It is a necessity, I mean, they have put themselves in the marketplace in such a way and we can't deny it. That makes them a necessity. So if they're not going to be, if the federal government is not going to break up, you know, companies like Amazon, then at least they can regulate them in a way that ensures that they, being the federal government, is the watchdog on behalf of the people. But now going back to Amazon as a company, you know, this really speaks to the character or lack of character for this company and others who deceive people in this manner and especially Amazon because Amazon is in fact a necessity, it's a way of life. Americans love Amazon, I mean people all over the world love Amazon even as they don't treat their employees properly, even as they don't pay them properly, even as as they don't allow them to take breaks. People still love the comfort and the convenience and especially when COVID hit. So Amazon is very much a part of the fabric So Amazon needs to do the right thing, Mayor, and I want your thoughts on this. And if they don't have the courage or the wherewithal to do the right thing, then they need to be forced to do the right thing. 
Yeah, and I feel like I feel like our government, we have to stop these companies before they become too big to fail. And you're right, Amazon is at that point almost right now. I mean, like if that if that, if that sector was gone, or if that business model was gone from the from the market, it would do some dramatic harm, not just to working class, but some poor people as well. And I also think, you know, this is a company that told us we didn't need brick and mortar anymore. They should they basically killed Kmart, right? This company got rid of all of the Kmarts in this country. All of those jobs went with it because they told us it's better to shop online. And then we see them go and buy Whole Food. The lie that Amazon sold us just to get us back in their stores. So you're right that this company has a long time lacked moral or morality. And I think um and I think people tend to forget that you know it is if if this if it wasn't a significant thing that tricking people into your membership was a successful practice, they wouldn't be doing it. And because they are doing it, Every company should be in charge. I mean, should be checked on it. And I think it's it's absolutely disgusting. Again, I'm real upset because I was paying my money, but I also know there are a lot of other people that did not know that you know, uh, putting your credit card up <laughs> for a free trial will eventually become a monthly payment. Yeah, that's it, Mayor. And Amazon, again, they're not the only one doing this. FTC is making an example of them, and I hope they keep that up. And this is after Amazon had the gall to increase the cost of Prime. So first of all, you're tricking people into Prime, and now you increase the membership to almost $15 a month, $14.99. You know, there's a psychological thing with people, businesses using 99 cents. It's $15, stop playing. And so which equates to $139 a year. And so you trick people into doing that, that's just not right. If somebody wants to do it, that's fine. But to trick them or to deceive them is not right. And Amazon rakes in billions from its prime minister members, of course it would. Amazon Prime stats, let's share some of those with our viewers. Amazon has over 200 million prime members. Sales during prime day on Amazon reached $11.79 billion. In 2021, Amazon Prime is scheduled is available in 22 countries as of October 2021. Amazon registers 25 or excuse me 25.21 billion in annual revenue from retail subscription fees. The U.S. accounts for 74 percent of all Amazon Prime subscriptions. So therefore, and thank you for that, Brian. Therefore. The United States government should should hold them accountable and use that 74% muscle that we have to ensure that they're not ripping off people in this country and any other country for that matter. But since we we are the strongest consumer on the prime side, then we got the power to really break the hammer on them. Now the lawsuit could set up a trajectory for the FTC to target other big tech companies as the mayor and I have been discussing here that engage in similar deceptive practices and there are many of them. The FTC broadside against Amazon is indicative of a broader agency strategy to use existing consumer protections and competition laws to address the power of big tech. Reporting coming from the Washington Post, the agency over the last two years has hosted workshops and reports on dark patterns signaling that it intends to be more aggressive in penalizing companies that use sophisticated design techniques to dupe customers into buying their products or giving up key privacy protections. So Mayor, you had already mentioned some of that in your telling of your story and others. I mean, you know, I, I hey, guilty as well in in that. So is it, I mean, it is, I mean, this is a bright, it's a, this is a spot, this is a bright light that we don't usually get to talk about when it comes to uh, the FTC and this administration. 
Yeah, and we're not talking about a small penny. You just said Amazon makes 25 point some billion dollars off of subscription fees. Yeah. That, that, that's just the subscription fees. Yeah. So it's absolutely a big market. And then on top of that, we know they're selling our data. You're selling our data to other people. So this idea that the FTC and I, when I when I just when you just read that it, these are existing laws that they're using, kind of made me a little upset. Yes, they're doing their job now, but these laws are already on the book. Somebody should have been doing this job, and there should be some backlash and some retro uh, uh, accountability for Amazon and other tech companies as well. Yeah, agreed, Mayor. They need to make them make make a strong example of them, and yeah, pay pay people back for some get in the pocket because that's the only thing that they understand. It has to be in a deep way, not something that they say, oh, that's just the cost of doing business. Because that's what a lot of these big corporations do. They'll take the fine because it's the cost of doing business for them, and it's just another walk in the park. All right, FTC, good on you, baby, good on you. We'll be right back after this. Don't you go anywhere. And welcome back. I want to thank the TYT mods for keeping the chat clean, safe, and fun. We appreciate you for doing that. Now you want to catch Dr. Rashad Ritchie on Sirius. Join Dr. Ritchie on Sirius XM channel 126 for the Dr. Rashad Ritchie review. Check it out on Sirius XM Urban View, Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time, and the Progress Report. Now, you know you want to hear. You want to read this every day, get this progressive news, understand from a progressive point of view what is happening in the world. Get the progress report, progressive news and inspiration every weekday morning. Take your smartphone and capture that Q code, you know you want to do it. Now to my favorite, absolute favorite part of the show. We're going to start with our view, our, our live viewers on Twitch, Up and Adam. <laughs> hey, Up and Adam, so what's the prize? Winner takes over the world and loser has to relocate to Mars. <laughs> and the mayor is applauding that. Oh, up and at him. I love it, baby. That is so good. So, so, so good. <laughs> oh, Lord. Soul life. Donald Trump versus Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> Y'all keep the mayor up. Oh, shit. Now I don't know. I would pay for that. I don't think that one would be so so like watching paint dry. That one would be exciting as hell. That one would be spicy. Oh, that would be spicy. Archie 15 raisins have, <laughs> raisins have no business in cookies either. <laughs> uh oh, Mayor, you ain't feeling that one. Man, I love oatmeal raisin cookies. <laughs> hey, Archie, stop playing. That's exactly where raisins belong. Archie 15, the mayor said, stop playing. Don't do that. I happen to like oatmeal raisin cookies as well. No, don't, don't do that. Don't hurt them. Don't hurt us like that. Oh, YouTube super chat. Y'all are on it today. SJ Mullen. Hey, Nina. Thank God it's Friday. Amen to that. We were just saying that before the show started. Melanated 44. Sure, let's go long-term brain damage. I think you referred. Are you referring to that fight? <laughs> oh, I came with y'all today. Now on to our TYT members, Wolf Dragon Donna. Hey, Wolf Dragon Donna. Awesome intro tune. And it's a beautiful day when we have both Nina and Mondale. Thank you, darling. We feel that way. And Crystal Braden. Hey, Chris. I still say we just look them both, uh, lock them both in a cage. 
then walk away <laughs> and leave them there. <laughs> oh, let me throw some papers on that one. <laughs> Somebody cut the cord. We don't even need the camera. Just lock them in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Crystal, I got it. Y'all, you all did yourself today, uh, viewers. Y'all surely did. Thank, thanks to each and every one of the commenters and the ones we were able to get to. You definitely outdid yourself today. We appreciate you for giving us some levity on today's Unbossed. Now we're going on to some more serious matters. Tori Bowie's death highlights maternal inequity. The tragic death of Olympic star Tori Bowie, who died from pregnancy complications last month, has spotlighted the inequities in maternal health care that black women face yet again because these inequities inequalities have been highlighted so, so many times. From Serena Williams talking about it, we had Beyonce talking about it, so many women. And you know, if women like that of that status have don't get the attention that they deserve when they have complaints during, during their maternity, imagine what happens to everyday women. And now we have our Olympic star Tori Bowie. So from NBC News, experts say, that the racial health disparities that lead to maternal health complications for black people persist <clears throat> despite a person's economic status or clean bill of health. In short, it could happen to any black person. Bowie's death is sadly stark, is a sadly stark example. Bowie, a three-time Olympic medalist, was found dead inside a Florida home on May the second. An autopsy report from Florida's Orange County Medical Examiner's Office showed that Bowie died while about eight months pregnant with a well-developed fetus. The report said there was evidence she was undergoing labor, which means crowning, when she died. And here is a picture of Tori right here. What a beautiful soul, um, just a beautiful soul. And it's just, I mean, it's really, Mary, it's, just, it's, it's really hard to believe. And as that report was laying out, it doesn't matter your economic status or also or your health. If you are a black woman and you are, uh, uh, you know, uh, pregnant, this could happen to you, regardless of regardless. your income. A class, and when you name Serena and and Beyonce, we're not talking about classifying women as their stature. We're talking about who, yeah. like what access they have. These That's women right. have access in the world, and they still almost lost their lives, right? Um, so I, I think I think people are, and, and Tori, Tori Bowie has that access to an extent, but she had the perfect bill of health. Perfect bill of health does not even save you or make you safe as a black woman trying to give birth. When people are undermining the discrepancies and the disparities that black women suffer in our healthcare system, this 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 issue right here spots like all of it and puts to bed any myths about oh if you were healthier or oh if you had more money or if you weren't living an unhealthy lifestyle because all of these women are at the top of the award. One of them were at the top of our game and the other two still are. And I think people people are forced to reckon with this fact that there is something seriously wrong with how we do health healthcare in this country or what we call healthcare. And this idea that we are so comfortable with black pain telling people, yes. I mean, Serena literally almost had to fight the doctor. Yes, Just, something's not right with me, something's not right with me. Beyonce literally 
was laying in the bed dying from blood poisoning from our own babies, right? And the doctors, she had to be- Toxemia, yeah. Yeah, exactly, Mm -hmm. she had to be rushed to the hospital. So I mean, I who knows what Tori, and I'm not trying to criticize her doctor because I don't know what was going on there. But we don't know and we do know, what we do know is that doctors will send black women home if they're in pain with with an aspirin where they'll be more attentive to other women. And that has to stop if we are serious about equity in this country, seriously. That's it, man. And the maternal death rate in this country is higher than that of even you know un- undeveloped or underdeveloped nations. Or let me just put it this way, nations that are not as advanced as we are. And it is acceptable. Black pain, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, man. Black pain, whether it's maternal, paternal, you know, communal, black pain is absolutely accepted in this country. And there was a time where black people were experimented on, as we know. The beliefs that our pain was not similar, that we could just be used as 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 tools. And it's still going on in the 21st century, unfortunately, just the whole not caring at all. The system just does not care because it's black people and that is rooted. It absolutely has tracks back, breadcrumbs back, if you will, connections back to how black people have been treated in this country, how we came into this country. None of that stuff goes away on its own. We need systems to change to make it go away. I mean, I'm so glad that you pointed out that extra fine point that we're naming Beyonce and we're naming Venus, not because they deserve better healthcare than anybody else, but because as you laid out, they have the resources to get the best access in the world. And if they have to suffer, then imagine what a woman who does not have the same economic Prowess and same social status as them. Imagine what's happening to them. So, this we have a tweet right now from Dr. Ebony Jade Hilton. Reality, she speaks, she really speaks to this travesty here. Facts that should shame America since they don't happen in any other developed country. Every day, two women in America die from childbirth or pregnancy related complications. Four out of five of maternal deaths are preventable. Black mothers are three times more likely to die than white mothers. And this has been ongoing, this ain't new. You know, I mean, that's the thing here. We've been knowing this for decades and yet nothing changes. Now, what contributes to this disparity is a multi-layered problem. Maternal septus is a leading cause of maternal mortality in America. Black women are twice as likely to develop severe maternal sepsis as compared to their white counterparts. Common symptoms can include fever or pain in the area of infection. Sepsis can develop quickly, so a timely response is crucial. But there is a critical issue with response time, and it should not be anybody, no one should be surprised about that. But slow or misdiagnoses are also the result of bias, structural racism, and medicine, and inattentive care that leads to patients, particularly black women, not being heard. Mayor, I see you want to jump in on this. You were just I mean, talking I, about that. That is, that is, they said every day four or five children lose their mother just being born, right? And, and and four out of them are could have been prevented. Yeah. Three times likely are more likely are black women. Just because of biases, structural biases, and the idea that you're not listening to this black patient tell you what's going on with her body. 
tell you what yeah. she's feeling, the pain that she's going through. This is a malpractice lawsuit waiting to happen. We, if we don't turn medical up around on his head, basically all these pro-lifers are lying to me. You yes. can't pro-lifer if this ain't your number one issue. If Come you don't on. care about what's happening to black mothers in the hospitals, these ain't even the sisters who can't even make it to the hospital. These are the ones that are lucky enough to make it to the hospital. If you don't care about this, then you can't tell me you're pro-life. That's they it, said, man. This study said four out of five are preventable. Yeah, yeah, that's what the doctor said. So really, do black lives matter? Do we? <laughs> you know, yeah, that part. And an added layer to this is the GOP's war. Speaking of that, reproductive rights, and it's costing women their lives, especially black women. New research by Amanda Stevenson of the CU Population Center at the University of Colorado Boulder shows that banning abortion nationwide would lead to a 21% increase in the number of pregnancy related deaths for all women and a 33% increase among black women compared with rates compared with rates for 20 17, so wow, we, we got a serious conundrum on our hands and it's not like we don't know that this problem exists. The question becomes, what are we, the collective we, yes, we going to do about it? And what are some potential solutions? Cuz we have those, how does this change? First, let's hear from Dr. Ebony Hampton, whose tweet we referenced earlier, take a look. America has not put forth the effort to get to the root of why. It's, it's not that black women are unhealthy, is we in fact can have higher education, we can have a higher level of wealth, we can live in a better neighborhood, we can go and visit our prenatal visits more often than white women, we can have healthier weights than white women, and still yet we are more likely to have complications associated with our pregnancy. And it deals with not only what happens outside of the hospital walls, um, but also what happens within the hospital itself. And we have to tackle how systemic racism plays into whether or not a mother will be alive to see her child. Yeah, and put the mayor back up again, that's Dr. Hilton, my apologies, Dr. Hilton. So she, everything you just said, Mayor, this is what the good doctor is saying. Yeah, America's killing black mothers, period. And that people might think that's hyperbole. It's not hyperbole. She just told you it's structural racism. We can end structural racism by addressing it, by not deflecting, not banning books, not forcing people to have babies that they are not prepared to have. All of this is American, uniquely American, and it's also taking a toll, a 12% higher toll on black women. We just saw that 33% increase in black mothers dying. That is that is ridiculous. And, and the impact, Mayor, that it has, sorry to jump in on you, that it has on communities. I mean, this has a ripple effect. It's not just the death, you know, it's not just that one person dying, that one mother dying. There is a ripple effect for a lifetime that people may not, in, in, in that mother's family, may never ever recover from. And, and they just, I mean, this society just doesn't get it. it. It really doesn't care. I mean, just, it just doesn't. But we are here talking about some of the solutions and, and Dr. Hilton just laid out some, the mayor did too. And according to Rachel Hardman of Minnesota Population Center at the University of Minnesota, we must reshape our entire approach to women's health. How about that? Hardman is now studying a model 
prenatal care program designed to reduce birth complications and maternal deaths that treat a mother's culture, racial identity and background as assets during pregnancy rather than pathology or a problem. Ooh wee, that's it right there. Further, the care plan includes regular prenatal classes on gestational diabetes, nutrition and other topics and longer and more frequent than typical prenatal and postnatal visits, including three home visits in the first week after birth. You all better go ahead and say that. Now, furthermore, in our own voice, a black led reproductive justice group released a report with more than two dozen policy recommendations for improving black maternal health. Now the report urges federal and state leaders to fund doula and midwifery care, improve health care for incarcerated women, provide abortion access, implement comprehensive sex education and more. Hello. Somebody, Mayor, your final thoughts on this? I mean, well, think about it. I mean, these 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 policies sound so wonderful and common sense, right? But the same people who are trying to ban abortion are also trying to cut their kids from learning about self educ sex education and also funding for contraceptive. So it's, it's this it's this double edged sword of stupidity that this that the that the folk on the other side of the aisle are trying to feed us, and all they're doing is really killing black and other minority women at rates that don't have to happen. I'm I'm on fire about this. Seven sisters and a wife and a mother and grandmothers and people like you, Nina, that I love. This is scary to me. It is, and it should scare all of us. But we're gonna keep pushing this, and they don't have to recreate the wheel here. We got the expert the experts who have told them exactly what we can do. I mean, I like your idea, but just a whole whole class action, whole class action lawsuit on behalf of black mothers. That's that's saying something. We might have to look into that. Comparing Juneteenth to Nazis and Hanukkah. Yeah, you heard me right. Newsmax guest says that Democratic Party celebrating Juneteenth is like a Nazi celebrating Hanukkah. Take a look. Juneteenth is a celebration of when black and white Republicans came down and freed black Southern slaves from the Democrat Party slave masters. And the Democratic Party, again, is trying to hijack and lie and deflect. Uh, the Democratic Party celebrating Juneteenth is like a Nazi celebrating Hanukkah. Uh, and then they have the, after all of the, these Union troops died freeing them, uh, they have the nerve to ask for reparations. God bless my black soul. Go ahead and put the mayor up. You know what, mayor? I'm telling you, I want to throw some stuff. And it just had to be a black face. Our color, but definitely not our kind. First of all, the way he's even framing what happened during the Civil War is wrong. Union soldiers dying on behalf. This was not, black people fought harder than anybody to be free. And they were fighting generation after generation long before we had a civil war in the United States of America. Let's underline bold that underscore that right there. And Union soldiers, black, black people. I mean, man, I, I just don't understand. And for him to, the only true thing he said in that entire segment was that the Democrats were, in fact, at that time, the party of white supremacy. That that was the only thing that he had that he that he got right. Everything else that he said in that segment is absolutely 
wrong. And for people like him and others like Candace Owens that that have always has something to say about the celebration of Juneteenth, I just don't understand where this self hate is coming from. This this I, this brother is that's that's a disgusting take, and I and I think. Uh, it's a way for corporations to say the N word without saying the N word or without catching any flack. They just put a black face that's willing to disrespect our entire race, the suffering of our ancestors in this manner is absolutely disgusting. There's nothing about Juneteenth relatable to a Nazi supporting Hanukkah, Hanukkah at all. This, this, the, the, the disgusting depiction in that is, is, is completely baseless. I'll tell you what's ridiculous. Um, beyond that Clarence Thomas book that he probably ain't even open on his bookshelf behind his head. It's the idea that he think he can trick us into believing that we are not deservant of reparations. This idea, he says, if you want reparations, uh, to ask for reparations after you freed us. You didn't free us, we freed ourselves. People pretend he's when he when you say things like this, you are acting as if we didn't fight every day. If there wasn't every a protest, day. black people worked slower, they slowed up crops, they broke tools. We protested slavery every day, and people don't even understand. We protested what days we were gonna get our large sum of food so we can have Sunday dinner. People don't just because you didn't learn about it, brother, and I hesitantly call you brother, just because you didn't learn about it or you try to forget it. Don't mean it didn't happen. We were protesting the institution, that peculiar institution since they brought us here. Some of us even jump, mostly sisters jump off boats into waters, death waters, so that their kids would never have to suffer through it. So this That's idea it. that we was passively enjoying our times on plantation needs to die because it's a model that came along with that lost cause argument. Black people were never comfortable with being in- Never. That's never. it, never comfortable. I mean, you know, you talk about, I mean, they would sabotage, I mean, the way it was direct and indirect resistance to the cruelty, to the dehumanization, to the chattel slavery for generation after generation. And you're right, black from the beginning trying to jump the ships. That's why they had them chained together so they couldn't jump the ship, refusing to eat. All of those were examples of resistance, and we can give many more examples. Even, even mothers, mayor, and you mentioned, killed their own babies. Emphasize, because they didn't want their children. To imagine what that takes, because they didn't want their children to grow up enslaved. And you want to talk about the Civil War was just the climax of it all. Black, our ancestors have been fighting from the beginning of this tragic. Stain on America, and you know what? Black folks are old reparations. You know, people like him act like it's a giveaway. No, it's old because this country would not have been able to become a hegemonic nation without that force-free labor. That's it, and that's all. And this clown, because that is exactly what he is. I mean, he's a clown. Here's some photos of of actual Juneteenth celebrations. It it really pains some people that black people, even through all we've been through and all we still going through right now, can find some joy. I mean, that pains people. You know what, Mary? That's one of my favorite games right there. I play Uno on a regular basis (laughs) with a dear friend of mine. I beat them all the time. Uh, But here's some other photos I had to digress on that. Some other photos of people just really enjoying themselves. So yeah, it just pains them to see black joy. That's what this comes down to for me. If if people and if people thought about what it means to be black in America, on the only statement that can sum up who we are and how great of a soul and, and, and will we have, it's but God. 
Because mm. if you think about it, I mean, it wasn't to the 60s that we had what looks like full access to American idea. And look how far we've come in that short period of time. If you if you take 1960 and subtract it from 2023 and think about what America was doing at the time, they didn't even have running water. So the idea that black people have taken this limited time and made this many gains against the system that's still killing us actively. We just heard about sisters in the, in, the, in, 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 in childbirth. We know what happens in our schools and how they defund us or, or not fund us properly. We see what happens with the policing and over policing of our bodies. So this idea. This idea that we still show up and stand up with our heads straight is an amazing task that black people carry on every day. I, this brother almost made me say, I hate him. And that is a strong statement, but Jesus Christ, what are you doing? Yeah, no, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's tragic indeed. You know, man, we're gonna jump to the missing children in Cleveland. I wanna make sure as our time is ticking away, uh, on our show that we get to this, there is there are reports. Twenty seven children in Cleveland are missing. This is Cleveland, Ohio, and it's right here in my own backyard. Nearly thirty children reported missing in Cleveland during the first two weeks of May is an extraordinary surge. Nearly thirty children have gone missing in Cleveland in the first two weeks of May, and an extraordinary surge of disappearances in the area, an official said. Now, Newburgh Heights Police Chief John Majoy is raising, sounding the alarm. There's always peaks and valleys with missing persons, but this year, it seems like an extraordinary year. For some reason, in 2023, we've seen a lot more than we normally see, which is troubling. In part because we don't know what's going on with some of these kids, whether they're being trafficked or whether they're involved in gang activity or drugs. Now, I want folks who are not necessarily familiar with the Cleveland area to know that Newburgh Heights is part of greater Cleveland. So as we're looking at missing children, it's not that all of these children live in Cleveland proper, some of them, or in you know, in the in the center city, some of them live in surrounding areas. So it's really about Greater Cleveland. Now, matters of this magnitude do trigger discussion and concerns about what really is going on, as well it should. So let's take a look at the reporting that was done by Teslin Figaro on the Breakfast Club about this very issue. I definitely wanted to point this story out. Shout out to everybody on social media that made me aware of this. So obviously we've been talking about the submersible all week has made worldwide news. And so MB, I got a lot of folks hitting me up saying, well, what about Cleveland? What about Cleveland? This is the part that I that I am really feeling a way about because one, he's saying, you know, I have not seen this in my 33 year career, but then he's defaulting to a lot of things that we see when we see a minority, particularly black children missing by saying, well, you know, they could be in a drug house or it could be drug trafficking, it could be gangs. And yes, while all of that is true, obviously there should be an alarm ringing that says, hey, 27 kids in two weeks is a lot. So I wanted to you know, ask everybody to hashtag Cleveland 27 um, and, and let's try to get some noise you know, behind this and get some awareness. You know, I hope they're taking it serious, but from what I have gathered so far, it doesn't look like they're putting the amount of time and, and energy that they should be. They're definitely not doing it like they did the submersible, let's put it that way. All right. And that reference that Tesla and Figaro was making a reference to this this sub that you know full coverage on there, twenty four seven. It seems like CNN is about to do a whole special 
about this, about about the, the submarine. But meanwhile, we have children missing in the greater Cleveland area that is not getting the national robust attention because some outlets wrote about it, but it's not getting the robust attention that it deserves. Yeah, we and we know that the news, even the articles that were written about it, they'll be they'll be replaced by different articles tomorrow. There's no, like you said, this is not breaking news on anybody's news station, not none of the big three, especially. So the idea that once again, black children going missing, black people suffering is just not headline in America, and we see that right now. In every facet, I mean, every single facet. I mean, I tire of this. But this stuff is real and it's happening in real time. So it's not even like we gotta go back in the day, way, way back. We don't gotta go way, way back. We can talk about what's happening in real time right now. So I, I'm you know, big ups to the Breakfast Club and to Tesla and Figaro for bringing this up nationally on the Breakfast Club to that particular community, to the community that is rocking with Breakfast Club. We know that it touches lots of places all over, all over the world actually, people rocking with the Breakfast Club and that hashtag. Uh, to to bring more attention to this, so we should have conversations about this. Now, according to Cleveland Cleveland Police Chief Wayne Drummond, the city has five detectives at each district assigned specifically to missing persons, which include missing juveniles. Officers take those reports seriously, and the chief is saying, and it is important to bring context to this particular issue we have today. When you look at the stats, they are startling. So even we have Mayor Police Chief Wayne. Drummond saying that this is startling, that we should take this seriously, that we have concerns. He's laying out the, the staff that they have. Obviously, the Cleveland police is understaffed right now. We'll talk a little bit about that. There's an activist who had a very poignant point about why they're understaffed, but they're understaffed. I mean, five people to search for missing people, not just missing children, but missing people in general is really not a lot. This is startling. We should be concerned when anybody goes missing. For that matter, we need a robust team all over the country and all police departments checking out missing missing persons reports, but especially, especially when it comes to our children. Yeah, I mean, and if 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 and if if 27 people went missing in two weeks, you definitely need to figure out what's going on in your city as it pertains to. You need to put more resources in this model and see who's responsible for this or how did this happen, and get on it to dead it right now because it doesn't get easier if people can take that many souls that fast. Yeah, in a two weeks time, this is absolutely serious. And speaking of other points of view on this journalist and Cleveland activist Dario Morel weighed in on the struggles that Cleveland are having right now in terms of policing. And Dario, we will his tweet we'll put up later, but he tweeted that Cleveland's police academy's last class had only nine recruits. There's been hundreds of departures in the last two years, crime skyrocketing. Probably wasn't a good idea to vote for the defund the police and put discipline in the hands of activists, Bill, huh? Former Mayor Jackson warned you. So we'll we'll put that up later so people can see what Dario tweeted. But Mayor, really what he's talking about, there was a local issue on the ballot that did not necessarily have balance in it in terms of making sure that both community and I get why people wanted to put that on the ballot, but it wasn't really the quite 
the right fix for what we actually need to have happen to ensure that police departments have the tools that they need to protect and serve. Now we will debate and continue to talk about how policing in America as it stands, as it currently exists, is not necessarily the route to go in all cases. There are some cases, however, like making sure we have enough detectives to search for missing people. We need the police doing those kinds of things, you know? So I just, I mean, I'm I'm just I'm really brokenhearted about this and everybody should be up in arm because it's Cleveland, Greater Cleveland today. Let me reinforce that it's not just the city of Cleveland, but Greater Cleveland today. It could be any area tomorrow where children are missing. And we know that most of these children are black children because that is what it is. And thank you team for getting that up. I want people to be able to see what Dario had to say about it. This is how he feels about it. And you know, Mayor, you're a mayor and you know how important it is for mayors to be, I mean, this kind of stuff is is important. The former mayor, Mayor Jackson, had a task force established to deal with missing persons and also sexual crimes unit. And I'm not sure what this current mayor is doing. Yeah, I'm not concerned. I'm not sure what the current mayor is doing. I will say this though, the brother at the Kingpin, might be a little mistaken when he's talking about the nine recruits at the academy. And while there were nine recruits, if it was 100, none of them would have been detectives, right? That's a pipeline issue. That is not anybody graduating from the academy would not have been a police detective this year, not from last year to this year. It just not would have been the case. I would say this, we we, we like to, you know, in times when, 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 when there's stress on community, people deserve the right to feel safe. That is a fact. The idea though, does not defeat the fact that we are spending too much money on a broken police system in this country. And that's the root, that's what's at the root of defund the police. The current way of policing in this country does not work, especially for black people. And we just have to acknowledge that. So whether whether we are rethinking what community policing look like or policing in general looks like, the current system needs to be defunded because it's racist to its core. Yeah, and all these things can be true at the same time. We do need more detectives who are able to search for missing people and the policing system as it exists is not working. I want to know what my city is doing currently. As I had mentioned, Mayor Jackson created a task force when he was in office to address these issues more deeply. And the question is, what is the current administration doing at the time? Clevelanders, we should not sit idly by, sit back and be idle about our children missing. We need to act, the collective we need to act. Now let's bring, you know, we're gonna look at why some of the disparities happen and not just for Cleveland or greater Cleveland, but as the mayor and I have been talking about, whether it's maternal health for black women or whether it is missing children who are predominantly black, we know that the system does not necessarily talk about us the same. America's black children are missing at disproportionately high rates and how the Amber Alert is at fault. So we know this Amber Alert system is not necessarily working for black children. That was covered also on the Breakfast Club today, Mayor, how the Amber Alert system, some of these children didn't even qualify for Amber Alert to alert, which is problematic because of the standards. And then some of the research studies have found that black children only comprise 7% of the media references. So when black children go missing, the media does not even talk about our children at 
all. And in this last headline, Mayor, and you jump right in here. Missing black children not promoted on social media like white counterparts. And analysis by USA Today revealed that social media audiences still pick favorites by giving more likes, shares, and views to posts about missing white children, especially girls, than missing black children. Mayor, your thoughts in our final minutes on the show. And racism as is as American as apple pie and baseball. Well, uh, viewers, there it is, and it is—it's absolutely true. I mean, the the stats are there, the empirical data is there, Mayor. This is not just you and, and my opinion about this. The data backs up what we are saying here, and it really is cruel. It really is wrong. And when people don't understand why Black Lives Matter too, T O O, because that's really what that movement meant. You know, you don't see us if we're pregnant. You you don't see our children. You know, you don't see us as if we're in college. You know, there was a, a, a just I saw a video the other day of, of people, black people were shopping in a in a in a in a store, and they called the police on them. Bed Bath and Beyond. Bed Bath and Beyond. Thank you, Mary. Called the police on them because they had too many expensive items in their cart. You know, so we can't you can't shop while black, you can't go to college while black, you can't birth while black, you can't walk by while black, you can't breathe while black. I mean, this is a serious problem. And that is why Minister Malcolm X, and maybe that's what we need to do. That's why he said, let's take it to the UN, United States for Human Rights Violations. Because that's what this is coming down to. Well, you all, next Friday, the mayor and I are going to continue this conversation. We appreciate you. We could not get to all of the comments, but we could not do what we do on Unboss or TYT without you. Please make sure that you like and subscribe. Please make sure that you become a member of TYT. We appreciate you so very much. And you all know what you got to do about this time. You must always, always, always keep the faith. There are many challenges in this society that we can, yes, we can surmount. You you gotta have some faith, but you know what you gotta tangle up with that faith, wrap up with that faith, a whole lot of fight until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie and the Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.